Welcome back to the meeting after the meeting, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. God, I hate that delay. It's so weird. You know, one day, so bad. one day you'll be back in the studio and, you know, we won't have that delay. It'll anymore. be it'll be a glorious day in 2021. Yeah. New new locations, new, you know, new places, new faces. I know. You know, Everything maybe half of our face will be covered, you know, with a mask. But we'll see. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> All right. So today we are joined by our very special guest, Jexy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Of course. Oh, always. We love having you on. So uh, just get these all out of the way where are you from when were you first introduced to recovery how long have you been clean uh so my clean date is november 6th uh, oh my goodness i'm tongue-tied november 6 2012 um about seven and a half years um i originally got clean in maryland i got in my first five years of recovery in southern maryland but i am currently living in new jersey um, you know, I, I grew up in NA. Uh, my mom was in NA, so I knew about it. But, you know, finding it for yourself is a whole new thing, you know? Yeah, totally. All right. So what are we going to be talking about tonight, Jesse? Uh, tradition five, which for which, anybody who doesn't yeah. know is each group has the one primary purpose to carry the message to the addict who still suffer. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, take it away. So I, (laughs) as you guys know, I love talking traditions. I think they're the most under-talked about topic in Narcotics Anonymous as a whole. I think Mm -hmm. so often people hear traditions and they're like, oh, what's there to say on this? But I think traditions are actually the, the... ones that inspire like the most interesting conversations because there's so much that we don't think about and how we interact with the world that our traditions mm-hmm. lay out for us. And so, you know, tradition five, you know, carry, our primary purpose to carry the message you still suffer. So in the basic text, it says like, what, what is that message? Right. And it says the message mm-hmm. is that an addict, any addict can stop using drugs, lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. Our message is hope and the promise is freedom. And then it says, when all is said and done, our primary purpose can only be to carry the message to the addict who still suffers because that is all we have to give. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important because, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that, like, when we walk into Narcotics Anonymous, like, we are recovering addicts. Like, we're not doctors, we're not lawyers, we're not therapists, we're not teachers, right? Like, we are yep. recovering addicts. And that is the experience that we share in our meetings. You know, so often we may share other stuff outside of our meetings, but in our meetings, like we don't give people legal advice. We don't give people, you know, psychiatric advice. We, we don't. We just share our own experience with recovery. And I think Tradition mm-hmm. 5 is what lays it out like super clearly, you know. That's what we have to give. Um, in this area, New Jersey, um, they call they call their business, they do their business meetings a little differently than they used to do in my old area. In my old area, yeah. So we would have in my old area, we called them just a group conscience, right? Mm -hmm. And in in uh, in this area, they have business meetings or they have fifth tradition uh, meetings. And fifth tradition meetings are meetings that are specifically going to talk about the format of the meeting or any issues in the meeting that may be affecting the group, uh, you know, of carrying the message to the addict who still suffers. And I had never seen. 
uh, group consciousness like broken up that way. You know, yeah. where like we have business meetings and just tradition meetings, you know, like a business meeting was like the stuff you do before area, you know, with the, if you have an issue with the locate, whatever. But like a business tradition meeting was specific about carrying the message. And I thought that that was kind of neat because I've never, having a, uh, a group talk about carrying the message in relation to the fifth tradition specifically, I thought it was a really great way to kind of keep that focus on point. Because um, mm-hmm. I've never seen it really brought up in that way. And, you know, so what kind of things, like, come up as this tradition meeting? Well, like, sometimes you see, uh, you know, certain, there's a lot of them, uh, some that are more controversial than others, I guess, but some, first off, like, personalities, right? Yeah. Like, I have seen where there are very strong personalities in a meeting that are affecting the way the overall vibe of the meeting is, which it affects the group's ability to carry the message, right? Like if you walk into the meeting and everybody seems on edge or fighting or angry or whatever, like you're not oh, successfully yeah. carrying a message of recovery, you know? Mm-hmm. I have been in meetings where there have been fist fights. In fact, I had mm-hmm. been to a meeting. I had just come up to New Jersey. Um, it was the first time I had been at it. Like, I had been to New Jersey meetings when I was visiting my family, but it was the first time that I was like at a New Jersey meeting having moved to New Jersey. And it was mm-hmm. like a Saturday, I guess it was like a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, something like that. And I walked in and they had like an argument over chairs. Like they, they, the chairs from the location like weren't out cause they cleaned the floors. And I was like, yeah. I don't see the problem. Can we just sit on the floor? Right. And then like, then somebody yeah. found the chairs, but everybody was already sitting on the floor. So someone was like, well, we should put the chairs out. And someone else was like, well, the meeting already started. Let's just keep sitting on the floor, right? And it turned mm-hmm. into a fist fight. And I had raised wow. my hand. We, they had just gotten to the part of the meeting where it says, is there anyone here for their first time? I had mm-hmm. raised my hand. I hadn't even introduced myself yet. And that's when the fight broke out. Now, my, I was with my sister. My sister and I are very different. My sister, you know, fight or flight kicks in, right? Like, my sister is a flyer. I'm a fighter. <laughs> She's like, time mm-hmm. to go. And so we left because I followed her lead. Whereas, like, I was, like, going to bring up the fight, you know? Yeah. Um, I, not that, I mean, I'm not the biggest person, and I'm definitely not the strongest. But, like, that's just my instinct. But I thought back to that. And I you was like, you know. You seem <laughs> you, seem, you seem pretty I, you know, <laughs> I, I I'm not usually one to like I'm not an aggressor but like I feel like if there's a situation like I just you know I, just, I run into danger you know <laughs> uh, one day I'll tell you about the time I stuck my hands in a pit bull's mouth when it was attacking another dog you know but that's a story for another day <laughs> yeah I, I'm a little strange sometimes you know but um but yeah but so I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like you know they don't know that I had experience, right? They didn't know that mm-hmm. when I raised my hand as a newcomer that I was just new to the area, that I had had some clean time, right? Like at that point, I had like five years clean. So imagine for a moment that I was a newcomer and I'm raising my hand to say I'm scared and I'm new here and a fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. I'm never, ever, ever going back. You know, like I was able to see that for what it was, like two people being crazy over personalities, right? Like Mm -hmm. for some reason, obviously the issue wasn't the chairs, right? They obviously had issues about something else and it just blew up because of the chairs, right? I could recognize that. I've been to enough NA meetings, but if I had never been there, like that's terrifying for a newcomer. And at that moment, that one action can affect 
the, the, not only the group's ability to carry the message, but any as a whole, you know, because yeah. that's your, if you're like, wow, if I go to a meeting, people are going to fight, you know? And, um, there's other times where like, um, I've been in groups where people got upset because, uh, it shared, like the group shared its location with AA. And, uh, so the building, because it was mostly met with AA meetings, they had a lot of their like slogans and stuff up on the wall. And mm-hmm. they had like the 12, the AA 12 steps, which really are just a word different, right? Yeah. And people from other groups used to come to this one group and say like, this is a problem. Like you're, it's a mixed message. And oh. their, their um, defense was, look, this is not our location. We're not allowed to move things. And the way we carry the message is by having an open meeting. You know, yeah. where this is the only location in this town, because at the time we were in Southern Maryland, there wasn't any other location. This was the only church in town. You know, this was the only building. And they did eventually move because they had other issues with the location. To it, but they had to move to a whole other town. Hmm. And they were like, this is the only, you know, to keep to keep a meeting in this town, it has to be in this location. And what's, what's better at carrying the message? being clear that the slogans on the walls are from a different group or not having yeah. a meeting. Yeah. You know, when I see these things, the, the more you get involved in service, you know, the more these things come up and how, yeah. you know, you really have to figure out like what is carrying the message, you know, and because a confusing message is a problem, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I can absolutely see how people are like, well, have, how are you saying that NA and AA aren't the same thing? You know, and it's like, you know, that's where a group comes in. Like, that's why, you know, there's a lot of ways to work around that. You know, you can simply say like the stuff on the walls isn't ours, you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, if it says on, uh, in the PR handbook in a couple of other places, like if we have to choose between having a meeting and not having a meeting, we should always choose having the meeting, right? Yep. Because we can't carry the message at all if we're not if we're not speaking the message. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there are concessions that we may have to make and workarounds we may have to do to carry the message at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we yeah. see that a lot now. I mean, people fought yeah, against the online thing. Yeah, absolutely, and like. I I think the last, when I was on last month and we were talking about, um, you know, another tradition, but I was talking about the fact that when I first tried to help my local area get online meetings, people accused me of violating Tradition 5. They said that I was, you know, infringing the group's ability to carry the message and that I wasn't caring about the newcomer and how dare I you know, promote closing the doors to the meeting. And I was like, I'm now we're not closing the doors to the meeting. We're just moving to a different location. We're moving to a location mm-hmm. that is safe and that is in people's homes where yeah. we can meet online. And it was funny because it was literally like, we're talking, this was like four days before the state governor gave us, you know, just decided everything was closed down anyway. Right. Like we were just a couple of days ahead of the curve and mm-hmm. But people were, were adamant that moving to online was violating Tradition 5 and that our group was, like, somehow being, you know, going rogue <laughs> by trying to keep our members safe. And one of the things that 
I always bring up, you know, when I was talking to people, if I was like, look, yeah, it says our message is that, you know, an addict, any addict can stop using drugs, lose the desire, but it also says find a new way to live. And a new way to live today is not causing harm, right? It's not causing yeah. harm to myself, not causing harm to my family, not causing harm to my to society or people I love. And meeting in person when it is not safe to do so is causing harm. And that is not the, the, the message of recovery. It is not yeah. a new way to live, you know? Mm-hmm. I know, I, I realize how much I say you know. <laughs> you don't realize that stuff until you start talking, right? And then I'm paying attention to my words. I'm like, oh my goodness, I say you know all the time. Yeah. We, I don't we say the like thing, but... <laughs> we have this one guy who says, you know what I'm saying? A lot. <laughs> like, when he's sharing, like, you can count it. In like In, like, a 20-minute share, he'll say, you know what I'm saying, probably a good 30 times. And it's like, hey, well, okay, we get... Now we, that I recognize it. English. We know what you're saying. <laughs> now, now that I recognize it, I'm going to try not to say it so much. Because if I'm hearing it, then it must be a lot. Well, the, well, the first step is acceptance. So now you yeah, can Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we say, like, the addict is the most important, you know, the most powerful tool of recovery. And we lead by example. We show a new way of life by living it. And if I'm going out and causing harm, and, and we hear people in meetings before this happens, we hear people talk about like sharing clean and living dirty, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like they have this like great message and then they go out and they're hitting on newcomer women or, you know, they're cheating on their spouse or they're oh, ripping yeah. off their employer, right? And we look mm-hmm. at that stuff and we're like, that's not recovery. That's not carrying the message. That's yep. not showing people what a new way to live is. And I think being safe during a pandemic is is the same thing. Sure, we can sneakily Agreed. go and meet somewhere and and get to see each other in person, but that's that's living dirty right now. Yep. For us to be in recovery, we're supposed to do the next right thing, and that mm-hmm. is follow the laws, right? Follow the suggestions of those that know more than us. People, oh, no. we always say like. We're supposed to not, you know, like we don't know everything. We should ask people who know more than us, whether it's our sponsor, you know, somebody who's been through it. Mm -hmm. And yet with something like this, people want to be like, no, but I know more. You don't. (laughs) And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Like defer to the scientists and the medical professionals. Please. Yeah. Please. I understand you read an article from the Huffington Post, but <laughs> please take their word yeah. for it. And I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I found really interesting actually was is a few people have told me that they went to meetings and people were very, very upset um, that the topic was constantly the coronavirus and that it was mm-hmm. constantly bringing up. And somebody had said they were at a meeting and... I guess the group or whatever said like, look, that's not recovery. We're not going to talk about it. And you know, a lot of other people have said, well, if it's, yeah, if it's affecting my day to day life, then it is, then it is related to my recovery. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine being at a meeting? Yeah. Like like an outside issue. How is that an outside issue? Like if, if it's stressing you out and causing you anxiety to the point where you want to use, that is a hundred percent recovery related. 
Exactly. And right now, I think it's, I've seen so many addicts and long-term clean, with long-term clean time, like really, really struggling because yeah. of this. And mm-hmm. they should be sharing about it. I think, honestly, the biggest problem I'm seeing is, is that most of us, and I include myself in this because I've noticed myself doing it recently too, but like just people aren't sharing. People aren't really opening up and how they're really feeling. It's more of that mm-hmm. surface level sharing that we do when we first go to meetings when we're not really comfortable with stuff. We're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, things are all right. I guess it's fine. Thanks for me share. You know, like that very basic stuff. Yeah. And I feel like we, because we're not face to face, we're really struggling to carry the message right now. And not because, yeah. not for lack of trying, but just, you know, I was at a meeting on Saturday night and I had to share because it was one of, you know, I have two home groups. It was my second home group and, uh, you know, there wasn't enough people to share. And so it was my responsibility as a group member to pick up the slack. And, you know, I said, I didn't really have much to say. I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like getting vulnerable and opening up and being honest. It's very hard for me to like dig deep and share those real feelings that I'm having right now in, in an online meeting, it's even hard for me to do it one-on-one on the phone. There's something about seeing people face-to-face that tends to break down those walls for me and yeah. finding that Absolutely. I'm not the only one. Yeah, like, I see a lot of people going to meetings and, like, some people are sharing. It actually seems to be easier on the newcomers than it is on people who have been around for a while because if you're a newcomer, you don't know differently. Right, like if your first, if your experience is just online meetings, because online meetings have been around for quite some time, they're not new. Um, mm-hmm. Just most people haven't been exposed to them until now. Yeah, they haven't been made. Yeah, they haven't been mainstream. Right, and so I think if you're new and your experience is online meetings, you're not having the same struggles as somebody who's been in NA for a while because that's all you know. That's what you've been exposed to. This is your norm. Mm-hmm. People who were meeting used to meeting face to face, and now they're you know having to meet online. It's an adjustment, and it's an adjustment that not everybody's dealing with well. And I think when we thought it was going to be a more short term type of thing, people were more enthusiastic about it. But now that yeah. that that realization that like look, this may go on. But, the idea that mm-hmm. it could be a year, you know, we don't know. That's starting to weigh more heavily on people, and and. It's seeming, it's, it's really, I, I do worry for the program as a whole. I know it'll survive and I know people will be doing okay, but there's, we need people who have long-term recovery to open and get vulnerable and share how it works and share how they're getting through things so that the newcomer can continue to get hope. And if the newcomers are the only ones sharing how they're feeling, we're not carrying the message. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are your guys' meetings down there? Like, do you find that people that you're on, like, I assume your meetings have moved online too, right? Are you finding that too, yeah. that people are not sharing as much or? Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have not attended a online Zoom NA meeting. I haven't. So How many I don't meetings really, did you go to shame, in real life? Shame on you, David. Shame on you. How many of you gone to Eric? How many? How many of you tuned in to? Hold the phone. Let's pause for a second. How many? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I have spoken. To be fair, to be fair, I have spoken on this podcast previously about not attending meetings in that capacity anymore. 
So my okay. my personal opinion, my my personal stance on it, it's a little bit different. So like I haven't gone to what. When's the last time after my I'm celebration? Sorry. When All was the last time what, I've been justification and rationalization right now? <laughs> Fine. We do, but Jexy, we do like six of these a week. So these are like our meetings, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes it's, sense. It's, yeah. I, I was just yeah. curious to see if other people have noticed the difference because um, I've really seen it up here. And, and the area that I'm in specifically, I'm in the new, I don't live in New Brunswick, but I do NA in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And it's mm-hmm. a very populated, long term, I mean, the amount of members that have 30 plus years in this area is a ton. Right? Yeah. We have some real, it's a city, so there's some real long-term clean time here. And I think yeah. that that's kind of what's been holding things together because we've had a lot of old-timers who have been willing to learn the technology and continue to show up even if they don't want to. But mm-hmm. the sharing seems so different. Like, I remember... I usually went to three meetings a week. I have my one home group, which is Tuesday and Friday at noon. And I have another one at Saturday at seven (laughs) o'clock. And those would be like the meetings I went to during the week. And I find that at least once a week, I would open up and like really share about something, something, a feeling, Mm -hmm. something that happened, a thought I had, a memory. I don't know. But I would really get vulnerable and share about something. And it wasn't, I mean, I didn't cry at meetings all the time, but, like, there would be a lot of times where, like, I would leave a meeting, having cried while I shared, and been like, man, I feel so much better. Oh, yeah. And I'm I've just not getting that feeling anymore from these meetings. Did and you just laugh, Eric? What? Okay. Did you I hear you laugh, I didn't Eric? even, I didn't laugh, like, with, like, an auditory laugh. You snickered, la- yeah, you snickered yeah. at my tears. <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> you are just the worst. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> no, like, but to, to address that, Jesse, like, um, uh, my meeting attendance was probably about two to three meetings a week. Um, and my sharing at, in, in meetings had re like in the last like year and a half has really, for the most part, been like, a little non-existent because I don't like the, the pseudo attention you get after you share. Like it, after mm. I, like every time I would share a whole bunch of people that I know in the area and I'm civil with them and everything's cool or we're for Facebook friends or whatever, like would want to like come up to me and like give me like the whole rigmarole about like everything that I was sharing about. And I was like, I was sharing for me, not so you could like, have carte blanche to just come up and talk to me about whatever because we yeah. don't talk on the regular and I'm not like people like I feel like people take it as like a solicitation like oh please come up and talk to me and when I'm sharing really it's just like I'm just trying to get things like off of me and just yeah. put them into the open air like it and so it like I got so like it, it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that. So my sharing has really just been to select people on my own time and like my sponsor. Like when I really need to share, I I share. Like my, my my meeting attendance for the last year and a half or so has mostly been about listening. Like I'd rather listen than open my mouth. Just because I don't want a whole group of people running up to me after the meeting, like, oh, let me all let let's all give us give David our fucking advice that he didn't ask for. 
<laughs> no, I completely understand that. Yeah. That's why I, I agree. Like that. that's, it's a weird feeling when you share it. Cause that's what I mean too. Like I share for me and it's the same thing. Like when I open up and I just need to like get stuff out and I find that like, it's, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that's been driving me nuts. I have, there's two ways in which I do meetings online. One is through mm-hmm. Discord and one is through Zoom. And I think I mm-hmm. spoke about mm-hmm. this a little bit last month, but I like Discord better. I like no video and it, it's because mm-hmm. it's just, consistent, right? Like when I'm on a video call on my phone, if I'm on my computer, it's one thing, but on my phone, when I'm sharing, I'm only seeing the host, right? Like the host's mm-hmm. picture pops up on my screen. And if that person is typing on their computer, texting on their phone, laughing with someone in the room, I'm looking at them and seeing that they're not listening. And yeah. it's so distracting. And I'm like, I don't really want to be sharing if I can't, you know, like when you look out into a room full of people, when you share, if two people are on their phone, like whatever, screw them, right? But like, if you see the majority of the people looking at you, nodding your head, like you feel like people are listening to you. But if I can only see one person and that one person is not looking at the camera listening to me, it feels, it feels like it really puts me down and it's not their yeah. fault right like I'm sure when you're hosting a meeting of a, a bunch of people online people are messaging you people have questions you got to make sure people are muted right like it's not always the host's fault but it's mm-hmm. so distracting to me and it's so hard for me to not look where I'm holding my phone like even if I'm on discord and I'm sharing like I'm holding my phone I'm like making sure that like my volume's working like I'm always afraid it's going to cut off mm-hmm. and uh so I can't just not look at it. And I, I find like it seems, there seems to be like, it's like not as genuine when people are like, thanks for sharing. Like it doesn't, you only hear that one person, like you hear the host say it. And sometimes it just doesn't sound genuine. And I'm, I'm missing that feeling of unity, that feeling of, you know, a, like what tradition says, like a new way to live. This doesn't feel like anything new. This doesn't feel positive a lot of times it feels I don't know I there have been the only reason that I haven't stopped that I haven't stopped going to meetings during this is because I feel like I have a responsibility to my group Mm. and that's really been the only reason I have sent out text messages like my Tuesday Friday group I send out it starts at noon at 1030 every Tuesday every Friday I send out a group message to our home group members I tell them how much I love them, how much I need them, and how excited I am to hear their voices. And uh-huh. they all come. And none of them want to. <laughs> I know that. We've all talked about it. None of us really want to be there. But we all show yeah. up for each other. Uh-huh. And there's something to me, at least with that group, that feels really special. When you know that nobody in that meeting, like none of the home group members really want to be there, but everybody's showing up and sharing anyway because that's what, like, the group is supposed to do to carry the message. Like, to me, that's Tradition 5 working well. Yeah. Like, that's what a group does to work well, you know? Like, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard my home group members be like, I don't really, I didn't really want to come today, but, like, I won't let my group down. Like, I'm not going to let the newcomer down. Like, we're going to be here. And there's that in itself, that feeling of like belonging to a group in like a, in a, in a more, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, 
it's not just like, oh, it's my home group, I have to go, but it's almost like on a deeper level. Like we're yeah, doing something for than each you. other. Yeah. yeah. And it mm-hmm. feels good. It feel it still makes me feel connected. But if I wasn't part of that particular group, I'm not sure I would keep showing up to online meetings. I hate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel badly because there's a lot of people I know who ha- who won't go. They just won't do them. And I wonder, you know, if we can't carry the message in person and this is our only way, like, I almost, you know, it's really like it's up to each individual, right, to, to do this, whatever they have to do for their recovery. And if mm-hmm. going to an online meeting is all we have right now, then it's, it's up to the individual to do it. I can't, yeah. I can't help anybody but I, I still wonder, like, I know enough about myself to know that I still have to show up to meetings to just keep in the in the habit of it because it's good for me. And I know that about yeah. myself. But I worry about those people who say, forget this, I'm never doing online meetings. And now who knows how long it'll be without meetings. And I know from yeah. my own past that the longer I don't go to meetings, the longer I don't go to meetings. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, you know, like... The, the reason I haven't done, like, there, there's no real reason uh, other than probably just apathy and laziness for me <laughs> not getting on the Zoom meetings. I have no sort of, like, qualm against them. I, like, there's just no reason other other than I'm just like, eh. Because, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking with people about recovery uh, three days a week for several hours. Plus I'm texting all my people in my network and my sponsor. So I still feel very connected. And I, I'm like right now, like I'm, I'm talking about recovery. I'm hearing Jack's right. message of, of hope and like uh, two days. And, and it only goes like we're doing Sundays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So I don't go that long without hearing a message from somebody I've never heard from from somebody around the world and, and talking with my good friend, Eric, about uh, how we can get through this COVID and recovery uh, simultaneously. So um, anybody who's listening, I'm not knocking the Zoom meetings or anything. Just, just let well, that be known. Well, Zoom meetings are great. I mean, like, I, I'm i going to be a, yeah, a very... Yeah, I'm sure they are. Well, I mean, like, I haven't been on any, but I'm, I'm you know... <laughs> I'm a big supporter. They're great. I haven't been on any. I'm, but I'm a big supporter of technology and utilizing it yes. to move forward, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like we should stay stagnant. Um, excuse me, like, you know, the way that... All right, so like, like, let's think about, like, the way fellowships usually act, right? Where it's like, this is the way it's been. Mm-hmm. Get down, cat. Um, this is the way it's been. You know, it works not broken like i can definitely see there being uh meetings out there right now where it's like we've met in this church basement for 25 years like we're gonna keep meeting in this church basement like because like you know whatever like we're gonna die if we don't come um and you know what if that's if that's how you feel like that's fine like i i don't i'm at a point where it's like whatever people need to do just do it like but i like I really feel like the one benefit um, that's going to come from this for recovery is I feel like the online community is going to be strengthened and there's really going to be amazing outlets for people who never were able to find recovery before. Um, I think the online meeting community is going to be 
just what it was never like this before, right? Like it was kind of hard to find meetings. Right. Um, you know, there were meetings, but it wasn't like as easily accessible. And now, like, I mean, think about it. Maybe all the fellowships are now going to have online meetings as like a legitimate thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I just like the possibility of it, like where, like, okay, so we're looking at it, right? Where it says the primary purpose is to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. There's a lot of people who still mm-hmm. suffer and who can't get to a meeting. And now we're creating yeah. a platform where they can now go to a meeting. So even beyond COVID, mm-hmm. they're like, hopefully, I think this will, this will still be a thing. But, you know, like people in rural places, people in different countries who don't speak a language, um, you know. It's it's a great way for people to connect. They now have, yeah, they they now have even greater access to Narcotics Anonymous than they did before, or any fellowship. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know what's funny? I don't know why it didn't occur to me until uh, it was like two days ago. One of my best friends from Maryland texts me, and she's like, "Hey, this week you should come to our home group Zoom meeting." And I was like, wow, I can't believe that it never occurred to me before that I could visit my old home group via mm-hmm. Zoom now. You know, yeah. like, I, it didn't even occur to me. Like, I, in fact, it was one of the things I was thinking about this week. Like, I want to, I, you know, I have a, I don't have a huge audience, but I have a little bit of an audience. And I was mm-hmm. thinking that I would love to put out, you know, like, tell me your home group and I'll come to your home group oh, and start cool. going to other people's home oh, groups. that's right. I've been going to the same meetings and it's been, you know, feeling so closed off. Like maybe that's what I need to do to like re get excited again about recovery is like, visit other people's groups. Let me see how you do in it. And like, let me come and see your meeting. And so like, that's what I think I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks is like just putting out on Twitter. Like you have a home group, tell me when it is and I'm going to come because I need, I need to see something else. I need to see other people. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll get, and it really was because my friend Michelle was like, hey, why, you know, you should come. And I was like, oh my God, it's been a month and a half, whatever long it's been. And it never occurred to me that I could go to Maryland meeting. Like, I, which is so silly when you think about it, right? Everybody's talking about attending meetings worldwide. All these meetings mm-hmm. have moved online and it never occurred to me that I could go to a meeting outside of my area. Isn't that ridiculous? I'm so stuck in routine that it didn't. No, even because I, I, I don't think it occurred to Eric or I either. Maybe Eric. I know it didn't occur to me. I mean, I. Yeah, I think it could be fun to. Yeah. What, Eric? No, I mean, I didn't think about going to a meeting, so I'm, I'm not even in this conversation. You know. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Well, I got, I got some questions. Uh, All right. Or some topics or whatever. Topics. Um, round robin. Topics. Round robin, yes. Um, right. All right. So uh, my first one is, how do you address somebody who basically just shared a mess instead of a message? And, like, I'll preface this a little bit. Like, there, not too long ago, there was a speaker in my home group who was just going off about, like, domestic abuse from like his father to him when he was a child. And like, that's fine to touch on like in your story, but he talked about it for like 20 minutes and it triggered the shit out of me to the point where I couldn't even sit in the meeting and I had to get up and leave. 
And like, I was in such a state that I couldn't even address the guy, but I was like, because when you're, when you're up there sharing a message, like you do have a responsibility to watch what you say, because you can trigger people and you can fuck people up with what you say. Words are very strong. And especially for a newcomer. And it's like, you're talking about like sensitive topics. Like, how do you address that with somebody like after a meeting like that? Like, Hey, you should watch your, you should check your message. Uh, so I actually would tell you that I would address it right away and I'll tell you how I would do it only cause I have this experience. <laughs> I was at a, I was at a meeting and the, the speaker shared like, it wasn't even war stories. It was like a, a like a drug log. Like it was literally uh-huh. like every drug he ever used. Like there was no recovery. Like I don't know what happened, yep. but he never shared his recovery at all. It was all like this yep. drug story, that drug story from the time he was mm-hmm. little, his favorite drug at this age, right? It was awful. And every people were getting up. It, people were upset, right? The whole group was upset. And I was oh, with yeah. uh, a friend of mine who was fairly new. And I said, um, we have recently been discussing about sometimes when you share at meetings, it's not just for you, it's for other people. And when you have some clean Absolutely. time, you have a responsibility. And I turned, we had just discussed this, right? And I turned to him, I said, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you what we were just talking about. I'm going to show you how it works. So I raised my hand and I was one of the first people to share after the speaker. I thanked mm-hmm. him for sharing. And I said, um, and I said, look, I appreciate you sharing. I said, you know, normally when I hear, when I hear talks, you know, someone share a lot about their, their drug use history, it's very triggering to me. And it's not usually something that I would prefer to listen to. I said, however, I can appreciate it. I said, because it reminded me of the, one of the very first meetings I ever went to where somebody was sharing and all of a sudden, no joke now, he pulled out an entire bag of prescription pills and said, I need to drop these off somewhere so I don't use them. I need help. Right? And I was like, what? "What?" All right. Now, mind you, I was still in, I was, it was a meeting that was like, my, my rehab center was in a hospital. And mm-hmm. so this was like in the cafeteria of the hospital. I was technically still in rehab and people at that time were mad at him. And I said, and I had, you know, I said, that. It's like, you know, when that guy did that, everybody was mad at him and everybody yelled at him. Right. But I had raised my hand and told him, thank you, because that was the first time I got to experience what it was like to be triggered. And I was in a safe place. I said, so yeah. sometimes sitting in meetings, even if the message isn't as clear as I would hope it would be, it does a lot of good for me because I can experience what that feels like and be in a safe place to talk about those feelings. And so it was funny because afterwards, you know, I didn't say exactly that, but it was something along those lines and it wasn't so much for him, but it was mm-hmm. for the rest of the people in the room because I really thought for a second these people may riot. Right. And so everybody who shared after me changed what they were going to say. Right. Because a lot of people mm. said, like, I was going to share that I was a little upset, like listening oh, yeah. to that Some, kind of sometimes thing. But you, sometimes you got to rescue the message from the audience. Yeah. And, and it, this, like, there was one girl who said, like, she's like, I was really upset. I came here because I just came from my friend's, you know, my, my, my friend's funeral. They overdosed two days ago. I needed a meeting. I needed a message. And I felt like I wasn't getting one. And I was really going to be upset. But you know what? I just got to be able to view this whole thing in a different way. 
And like, mm. you know, and it really, it changed, it changed his message, right? Mm. I tried to make yeah. his message be clearer. And, and I was always told, now I wasn't the chairperson at that meeting. I was just a person there, but I was told mm. early on that your responsibility as the chairperson in the meeting is to keep the meeting on track and mm -hmm. to share when it's the right time. And sometimes yes. that is when somebody shares a mess on the floor, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. But I'm interested to see how you guys answer this. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Uh, were, you, were you in that one meeting? I, I think I was chairing, or I was the secretary. Um... But it wasn't it wasn't the person who was chairing, but it was people in the crowd who were who were um God, this was like this was like a year and a half ago probably. Um but I was the secretary at this meeting and it, it's kind of part of like shutting down um people, which is hard, right? So <laughs> like not the chair like not the chair, right? Like I don't feel like I've ever shut down the chair. I'll nudge the chair if they're going over. Um yeah, but I usually don't shut down the chair, but I have shut down people who are sharing. Um, oh yeah, mm -hmm. and it's just like this isn't the right time. Like you're you're you can't cross talk. First off, this isn't group. Yeah, um, which just bothers me. By the way, uh, I don't I don't know why it bothers me, but it's not group. Like you can't you and Donnie. What? Donnie hates crosstalk because it's not group. It's not like a. It's not a therapy no. session, you know. Like, and it happens a lot. But um, just like I remember a few times where it's just like someone's just sharing this crate, like crazy drug log, or they're clearly high, and like they're they're nodding in and out, and it's just like thanks for sharing. Like we gotta you know, move along. We'll talk to you yeah. after the meeting. Um, I always mm -hmm. do it with like I always try to be polite. I'm never rude about it but it's just that that goes back to kind of like what's the message and you know mm -hmm. if you're because part of the message and i feel like it's more of um you know part of the message is our mess from the past but if there's no recovery yeah. at the end, if there's no recovery at the end of it then it's just a fucking mess like yeah. so it's like you got to clean that up so i do think it changes Depending on who's sharing, right? Like when we're talking about a speaker at a meeting, somebody who supposedly should have clean time and experience, mm -hmm. I think that becomes a much bigger problem than somebody yeah. who maybe has Absolutely. 20 days clean, who's sharing a mess, and you just want to give them a hug oh, yeah. and be like, it's all right, keep coming back. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, someone with and 90 like, days, that, there, there's, it's different. There's contacts, absolutely. Like if, if you're early, like my first, like anniversary, like there, like it, it was probably a good eighty percent mess, like of just what the fuck I had done and just all that stuff. Like it, it was probably terrible. But as my anniversary progressed from years on, like I don't even think I mentioned drugs in like my last like two or three an anniversaries mm -hmm. because recovery is so much more than that. I I do think. It's, I, I do think sometimes it's important to qualify yourself. I, I, yes, I do. 
I, um, it, it, it depends on the audience. It you depends guys, you, on the audience. Gotta, if you're doing an H and I commitment, I think it's incredibly important to qual- qualify yourself. Um, yeah, because you, you got to meet them. Talking about your second mortgage and shit like that. No. Like, dude, I am in fucking rehab. I am in jail. I don't want to hear about your second mortgage well, exactly. and your three kids. You got to you, you got to meet them where they are. Like if I'm doing a newcomer meeting, right. like I need to share a little bit more mess than if I'm doing a tradition meeting. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, it's audience and context. Mm-hmm. You know what else I've done, too? If I have to, if I have to cut down, like, shut down someone who's newer, I try not to. I try <laughs> never to cut off a newcomer unless I have to because that yes. feeling of being cut off may chase somebody out of the room. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I try not to. But if I do have to cut off a newcomer, the second that the next person starts to share, I've actually will go up to that person and like whisper in their ear, be like, Hey, you know, so, you know, sorry about that. I, I want to talk to you more after the meeting. Like don't run off, you know, mm-hmm. it's something that makes them stay. So I can yes. explain more why we had to end their share because I've seen mm-hmm. people get cut off at meetings and run out the door and we never see them again. And like to yeah. me, carrying the, carrying the message is like the one that we love you no matter what. And we don't, you know, it's a different way because like way back, they were much harsher. They were sit down, shut up, don't open your mouth, you have nothing to say, right? And now that's not how we treat our newcomers for the most part, you know? We're a little bit more Mm -hmm. kind, a little bit more welcoming and loving, right? So I think it it depends, but I think, you know, like you have someone with 30 days clean cross talking, like, uh, all right, you explain to them after the meeting. You got someone with, you know, three years cross talking, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. And like when I like my example for this was was a guy who's like a twenty year retread. Like he he can't seem to get clean time, and he like finally got something together. So our like our speaker seeker asked him to speak like out of necessity at the last moment, and like literally it it was just twenty straight minutes of just like drug use and just domestic violence with his dad. And I was just mm. like, I can't handle this. And, and like, yeah. I, I didn't, I, I didn't address it. Like it, it, like that's part of my story is like domestic violence with my dad. And I was like, for whatever reason that night, it was just too far. Like it was just one too many stories. And I was like, okay, I'm done. And I just got up and left. I was like, nope. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to leave a meeting. Yeah. And that, that was, Sometimes that was the meeting is just not good. Yeah, and I went out to the parking lot. I called my sponsor and talked with him for the rest of the meeting until the rest of my home group and my friends came out, and then I talked about it with them, and ever, everything blew over. So that, that's how I handled that. I think that was the best way. All right. I, I have, uh, do, you, do you have a topic, Eric, or can I bring up uh, sort of a controversial one? Um, well, let me, go ahead. You can go first. We'll see if you steal mine. No, go ahead. I can go first. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So this, this is also born out of my, my experience, but I want to take it a little bit broader. So I had my, I was speaker seeker at a home group and I got in a pinch for like a couple weeks. So I asked some of my friends who were 
either either previously in NA and like switched to AA. Um, I had my, my grand sponsor who does both. Um, and, and somebody who used drugs, but is in AA, but so I had them as speakers, but they shared, they, they all shared very good messages of recovery and were like respectful. They said they were an addict, they were clean and all that stuff. And I got a lot of flack from my home group that they were like, Oh dude, you shouldn't be asking like AA people, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, my grand, like my sponsor is NA and his sponsor so my grand sponsor is AANA so how um hmm, how do how do we address or, or what do we feel about cross fellowship speakers because it says in an in NA that alcohol is a drug so is an alcoholic's message not as welcome or uh appropriate in an NA setting well, I can actually, so if you ever read the, the group IP, there's a section in there that we actually have all in New Brunswick area. They have all the speakers read prior to speaking. And it actually okay. says in the speaker's portion of the IP that we should be careful not to ask members of other fellowships to speak. Mm. Um, now, my thing is this. And the only reason that I would be careful about doing that is because we want mm-hmm. to make sure the message of recovery of narcotics anonymous is always clear, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're not members of narcotics anonymous and they're members of AA or another fellowship, they may not be as familiar with our language, which just may make things not as clear. Right. But I think that if they are familiar with our language, then it's not a problem. And like my biggest example of this would be the word sober. So in AA. Oh, yeah, that's what my fellow home group members. Well, and there's a reason for it because and for for language, because that word means two different things in each fellowship. Right. AA sober means recovery. It doesn't mean that they're just not drinking. Being sober yeah. means that they are in recovery. Otherwise, you're yeah. like a dry drunk, right? Mm-hmm. In, in NA, sober just means not drinking. Recovery mm-hmm. is recovery. And so mm-hmm. when someone who is in the AA fellowship shares and they share about being sober, they mean recovery. Mm-hmm. But when you're in NA, you're not hearing that because we don't use that word to mean, I actually did a whole video on my channel about the word sober <laughs> because we do, we see that we hear that word differently. It has two yep. different definitions. And I yeah. think that that's when that word is used, that is why sometimes it can be a confusing message. And I mm-hmm. don't think that somebody who is purely an alcoholic is disqualified from sharing an NA at all. I think they absolutely yeah. can give a clear message of NA I only think that if they are mostly attending the other fellowships, that their language may be that in which the message of Narcotics Anonymous gets a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, totally. But I've done that. I actually did that by accident once. I asked somebody from AA to speak at an NA meeting, and I didn't know that they were from AA because I was really new, and I kind of thought they were all the same. And uh, so she showed up to speak at the NA meeting. And when she got there, she's like, this is NA. I was like, yeah, I've heard you speak about drugs. And she's like, yeah, but I'm in an AA. And I was like, but, but you do, you did drugs. 
didn't, yeah. I didn't understand, right? So she, she was like, she had a lot of years in recovery and she shared that she is from the other fellowship and she didn't realize she was speaking at NA, but that she was going to do her best to give a, uh, a clear message without violating our tradition. So she was very gracious and the group understood that I was just new and didn't understand, you know, but yeah, you know, I think when you use, if you can use the language that doesn't make things confusing, I think it's okay. Absolutely. And what was the, the one that was really puzzling to me was my grand sponsor because I had been speaking off for like the seven years I was in that home group. Um, and I, I'd asked him to share, I don't know, maybe two or three times, but yeah, that last time. And every time he always, every time he always qualified, he was like, I've gone to AANA, I've gone to Gamblers Anonymous, I've gone to Gamers Anonymous. He was like, if there's a 12 steps to it, I'm fucking there. And so he qualifies that because he did. He, and what they like, what the sort of, I guess, cross fellowship people uh, will say is that they, they drink and they drugged. So that's, right. it was always fine. I was like, I was, I was drinking and drugging. And then, but when he got sober or clean and both, at the time, AA was more prevalent. So that was the one he, right. he got with. And, but he still attended AA meetings because he did drugs and he couldn't get that outlet through AA. So he did both and he always shared a great message. But for some reason, like that particular time, uh, yeah, my, my home group members were very uh, um, hostile to it. What's your take, Eric? Um, so I, I agree with Jaxi on this one, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, sorry, David. Uh, so, uh, I so okay. Here, here's here's the the truth of it, right? Like, if you're if your drug of choice is alcohol, and you mm-hmm. you decide that you want to like be an in NA, you will then carry an mm-hmm. NA message, right? Like like we had that example where we had um, you know multiple people who were self harmers who chose NA. Mm-hmm they will have an NA message. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the clean and dirty thing, like, you know, I've had people in AA tell me, like, they don't like the word clean because it means at one point they were dirty. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be called sober mm-hmm. because I'm clean. Like, to me, that's a mm-hmm. big distinction. Like, don't call me sober. I'm clean. Like, and it's, yeah. it's something that, like, you know, I, I came up in that fellowship. Like I'm not sober. I'm clean. Um, but the the reason I I think there's a place for cross fellowship sharing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you have to be open minded to it. And yeah. I don't think I I don't think I know who you asked. So uh, I'm home going. Group was that place? <laughs> I don't think the home group was that place. Um, two of them. Three of them that you asked, I'm surprised they were upset about because they were all in this fellowship, in the Narcotics Narcotics Anonymous Fellowship before. The other two, I'm not surprised because they were both brought up through AA. Um, But it's it's a language thing. And, you know, it's, again, language is really important. Um, and someone who's like, you know, it, and it's a different yeah. share. You know, it's a little bit of a different share. Like the yeah. AA share and the NA share, they're different. It's a different style of sharing. 
And, you know, yeah. people are probably going to listen to this and be like, that's bullshit. I'm like, go to, go to two different meetings and, like, go to, like, both fellowships for a few weeks and listen to the shares. They're a little yeah. bit different. Yeah, the vocabulary is different. Um, we can so say, just, you know. Oh, go ahead, Jaxie. I just pulled up the the group IP, mm-hmm. and if it's okay, I'll read a couple sentences under the speaker portion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so it says, the NA member chosen to speak at a meeting needs to be someone who is working and living the NA program of recovery, which is the 12 steps and 12 traditions. In areas where there is not an abundance of NA members with substantial clean time or experience with the 12 steps and 12 traditions, there is a possibility that a group inexperienced in Narcotics Anonymous may misunderstand NA traditions and invite speakers from outside the NA fellowship. There are several ways to avoid this situation. Our basic text, for instance, reminds us that NA members from other areas are willing to drive long distances to support new groups. The speaker helps fulfill the group's primary purpose, carrying the message of recovery to the addict who still suffers. When speaking at an NA meeting, we should be careful to deliver a clear message of recovery by identifying ourselves as addicts recovering from the disease of addiction. It is not necessary to dwell extensively on our active addiction or war stories because we all know what it was like to use. We came to Narcotics Anonymous to stop using, and we are here to share experience, strength, and hope of recovery. In our area, we make every speaker, we make every speaker actually read that out loud prior to sharing. Oh. Interesting. No, and I yeah, I've never seen it done anywhere else. Yeah, and like I I understand the clarity statement because there are two schools of thought as to whether uh, alcoholism is a separate uh, affliction compared to addiction. So yeah, I I get it. It, Like it's just it's interesting to me because I like I've sat through some AA meetings where I'm like, oh, this was a really great meeting. And I've sat through NA meetings where I'm like, this is a great meeting. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, hmm, it's hard to say. Uh, I got asked to speak at an AA meeting once. Uh, really? I had maybe about, yeah, I got, I had about two years and I got asked to speak by a group that you, that met at the rehab I went to. Now, they were all open meetings. They, like, met in the cafeteria of the hospital where my rehab was. Mm-hmm. And I was still one of the guys that chaired the meeting at the time was someone I had went to rehab with. And he had asked me to speak. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not a member of AA. I, you know, I go to NA. And he said, that's okay. You know, half the people here are from the rehab. And they're all, you know, they're all addicts anyway. Like, come. So what I did was I said at the beginning that um, although I I said, although I spend most of my time in the other fellowship, I am very big on traditions. And therefore, I will make sure that I use the correct language for for this meeting so that I'm not violating any traditions. And I what I did was is I kept true to myself and true to the meeting. And I identified myself as somebody who was working at 12-step recovery program. And I use words like substances uh, when I said, instead of saying, like, um, I use drugs or I drank, I said, you know, when I put things in my body or I, I put things, I, I was very broad in the way I spoke so that I keep true to myself because I don't generally use words like sober or alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're not really in yeah. my vocabulary, but I also wanted mm-hmm. to be respectful to the group where I was speaking. You know, even though most of the people in there were drug addicts, because most of them were from the rehab, 
it still mm-hmm. was technically an AA meeting, so I wanted to be respectful to their fellowship. Mm. Absolutely. We had, a, we had an AA guy on last week who called, called pretty much everything that wasn't a drink, he called them dry goods, and it was just hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that was amazing. I loved that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was very entertaining. I forgot about that until you just mentioned That's it. really good. <laughs> dry goods. Yeah, the dry, um, the dry goods was so funny. All right. So, um, all right, we got a few more minutes. Uh, so what I'm going to, I'm going to read something from the basic text and then kind of like go into like my topic. Um, so. Okay. In Tradition 5, um, in the basic text, it says that all groups can do is plant the seed of recovery and bring addicts together so that the magic of empathy, honesty, caring, sharing, and service can do their work. And I think it's important to also look mm. at that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. So unlike Tradition 1, mm-hmm. we're not talking about the newcomer. We're talking about the addict who still suffers. So we're looking mm-hmm. at different, like, degrees of addict, like, of like people in recovery. You know, we could all be suffering right now. We could all have our own specific need, like, you know, needs that need to be met because we're suffering in a different way. So, mm-hmm. right. and I never really thought about this until I, I kind of, like, read it when we started um, talking earlier. I mean, does this... You know, so we all agree kind of like that tradition one um, or, you know, like the first few traditions were were focused more on the newcomer. But is tradition five where, and even tradition four, um, is this where we start focusing on the needs of others in the group besides the newcomer? Because, I mean, for three, you're going on like the only desire to, you know, is, is just have a desire. That's the only requirement for membership. But in four, you're starting to get into format. And then in five, you're looking at, like, the addict who still suffers. So that could be someone who's a newcomer, but that could be someone with 30 years. Mm-hmm. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I just threw that together, so I have no idea how it sounded. Well, I absolutely agree. I think Tradition 5 is specifically about any addict and not just a newcomer because we often think about the addict who, and this is actually an argument that I had with people also when we were talking about moving to online meetings is the addict who still suffers is not just the newcomer. You know, there are plenty of us that are struggling and, you know, at any point you lose a family member, you go through a divorce, you lose your job, right? You need a place where you can go and safely share and get the love and support that you need. And that is the group's primary purpose. It actually says in other parts of the basic text that the group has the responsibility of sponsorship, too, until somebody has a sponsor, so when somebody walks in, if they're if they don't have a sponsor to call, it is a group's job to be there. And so yeah. I think it's very specific that this is not just for the newcomer and that we need to make sure that's why we have to constantly be sharing, you know, experience, strength and hope. Because our experience is often you know, I lost my job and I got through it clean. I went through a divorce and I got through it clean. Our experienced members need to hear that. Our newcomers only need to hear I was using drugs and now I'm not. You know yeah. that life gets better. But the experience that we talk about 
you know, the, the actual life experience that people have been through and gotten through clean, that's for the experienced member. That's not for the newcomer. Newcomers aren't worried about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're worried about like where your maybe where your next meal is. Maybe if you can shower, who knows, right? Depending on where your bottom is. Yeah, you're not worried about your marriage at that point or your kids. I mean, maybe you are, but not at the same level that you'd be worried about with yours clean. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and just like Eric talked about earlier, that's that's all about like meeting people where they're at, and um, that. And I think especially in this tradition, that really applies to everybody. And I kind of want to rewind a little bit, um, Jaxie, when you like when you talked about how people were trying or had idea of censoring talk about coronavirus in meetings, because like that yeah. that's some that's something that really like I it's been bouncing around in my head this whole time because I'm like. You're, where that's that's such a slippery slope dangerous thing uh like precedent to try and set like oh all right here's here's the deal we're not talking about coronavirus in meetings anymore if anybody does shut them down because because that's such that, that's such a snowball effect type uh opportunity that what when does it stop when are you going to stop censoring what can and can't be talked about in meetings um because like just like you said um this isn't just a like this tradition more focuses on on the addict who still suffers which can be anybody it can be the addict who has 25 years clean who now is diagnosed with lymphoma and now he has to go through uh radiation and and uh chemotherapy and all that that is a suffering addict he is not worried about uh his bank account being depleted from smoking too much crack like he's not a newcomer he has a completely new life experience now that somebody's going to need to hear because we're humans our bodies are going to break down we're going to need surgeries we're going we're to go through medical uh difficulties like that's that's an experience that somebody needs to hear because that they might have to draw on that eight, ten, twelve years down the line when it happens to them, and it, and it's the same with so many of those experiences in life, like you were talking about, like like loss of loved ones or lost uh, fellow addicts, because that's like that's something that needs to be talked about. Um, Absolutely, and coronavirus right now, what what didn't make any sense to me is, in especially in New Jersey, a lot of our members, one of my home members, has coronavirus. Right, like most most of us know somebody who has it. It's that prevalent up here, right? I went yeah. to a funeral last Sunday, exactly a week ago, for a family member who died from it. Now he was ninety eight, and he was uh-huh. older, right? But still, like we're losing people. We've lost a lot of NA members because of it. On top of that. Yeah. We're all stuck in our homes. Most people have lost their jobs, right? And Uh so you're taking all of the things that we just talked about, right? Like loss of loved ones, like relationship problems, losing jobs. And right now, a lot of that has to do with one common cause. So how can you not talk about something like that when it's impacting people in such a life-altering way? It didn't make any sense to me. No, it, and when you said that, it really bugged me because I'm like, it, it, it's 
like you just said, like it touches everything. It touches your job. It touches your family. It, it touches the health of your, your friends and family. It, it puts your own health at risk. It changes the way everybody in this country and this world is operating right now. Period. This is a huge, huge deal. And the fact that like, uh, we're not going to address the, the, the suffering of addicts. Like me personally, my anxiety has been through the fucking roof through the mm -hmm. whole scenario. And I've constantly mm -hmm. had to re reach out to my sponsor to like have guidance through this and like what I should do, what, like what practices I need to do, like what, what meditations really help for that. Um, it's, so absolutely like this, this is a very key, uh, time and subject to talk about and it's, and it's affecting us all and we're all suffering through it. Agreed. Hey, Rock. All right. So, uh, um, yeah, oh yeah, okay. no, yeah. Um, I'm just, uh, thinking here for, this will be our last, uh, question. Um, so Is let's, that time? no, we're not doing that tonight. <laughs> I've decided no, not okay, for, so not for not the, yeah, the, not for okay. the meeting after the meeting. Um, okay. so, okay. Right. you know, I, I like to look at the spiritual principles, both the steps and traditions and, uh, you know, and uh, next time, next time we do this, we have to talk about, actually, no, that's what we'll ask. How, how do you apply the fifth tradition outside of the meeting room? How do you apply it in your life? Mm. Because the traditions, Ooh. you know, one way that, you know, I look at the traditions, right, is it, it's not about just, you know, applying them to meetings. It's, it's like the steps are for me, the traditions are for others, right? Yes. So how do you apply right. the traditions, like especially more tradition five, how do you apply that outside of the rooms? Well, the way I would answer that is I'd say that this is, <laughs> the way I would apply this is, it reminds me that I don't need to give advice about things that I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. I can give medical advice, psychiatric advice, all this other stuff, right? But that I'm not experienced in any of those areas, right? So I'm just regurgitating somebody else's knowledge. That's not good for anybody. But what I can do always is share my own experience with other people about what I've been through. So one way in which I've done stuff like that is when people have kids, for example, and their, their kid, they're like, Oh my, my kid's been screaming all night and I, you know, I don't know what to do. And I can give all sorts of advice. Right. But what I do instead is I say, you know, what worked for my kids when they were little is when I did this. My kid, you know, I went through something like that with my daughter and, and I, and I gave her this, I had to switch formulas, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what I had to do or whatever it was. Right. And so I've learned that people are generally more receptive when we're just sharing our experience with what we've been through in an open and honest yeah. way than trying to convince somebody of something based on knowledge that we don't really have. Mm. Right? Like, if I'm telling you medically what to do about something, who the hell am I? I'm not a doctor. Just because I read a lot doesn't mean I have a, a PhD, you know? Yep. But I can tell you that, like, when, my, when I'm sick, if I drink a lot of juice, you know, that's helped me, right? You know? Yeah. I think that it's 
keeps us focused on sharing about ourselves and not trying to show up like that we know stuff that maybe we don't know because we don't really have that knowledge to offer. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Um, I'd say the way I apply the fifth tradition is basically just availing myself to my uh, my network and my 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 friends and family and even my coworkers. Like I I often tell my coworkers, I'm like, if you ever need something, if you're going through something, please feel free to come to me and mm-hmm. like with what whatever is going on. And it's the same with like my sisters and my network. Like I'm constantly checking in. Uh, like uh, I've said it numerous times, I'm constantly checking in with my network and my sponsor. And one of the big things I've, I've really taken on in the last really few years of recovery, probably two to three years of recovery, because I felt like my, like in early recovery, I, I was taking so much from my sponsor that um, I, I've now really sort of reversed my own role. And I'll call, I'll call my sponsor to see how he is doing. So even if there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me, I'll call my sponsor just to, just to do a wellness check on him because he's, he's not immune. He's not immune to, uh, relapse and, uh, like falling back in, into depression, anxiety or, 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 or using. So I, I try to make an effort to be there and like, like you said, Jackson, I love that you said that. Like, I don't offer my opinion. I just offer my time. That is all I ever have told people in recovery is like, I'm not going to chase you down and browbeat you with my fucking opinion because that if not, I, I don't like it when people do it to me, so I'm not going to do it to you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give you my phone number and, and tell you that whenever you need me, you fucking call and I'll be, I'll show up. And I say that to my friends, my coworkers, my sponsor, whoever. And and that's the way I do that. So when they are, uh, sick and suffering, they know who to call. I love that. Eric, how do you apply it? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not really sure I was prepared. You seem distracted, Eric. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're distracted. (laughs) I guess the way I would practice this is, I mean, so how do I carry a message? So let's look at like work, right? Like you were kind of saying, and you're talking about work. Mm -hmm. How, How do I not cloud? So I have three, I guess I have three people who work like under me now. And, Mm -hmm with managing them, how do I not cloud what needs to be done? Right? Like what, or with anyone that I work with, whether it's like a vendor or, um, you know, a peer or someone who I support, like, how do I make sure that what I'm saying is clear and concise and I'm not clouding it with other Mm. random shit? Um, because at the end of the day with like something like that, it's about efficiency and it's about like making sure that, you know, and I, I, I feel like I fucked something up uh, earlier this weekend and I recognized it and I was like, I probably didn't do that right. But, you know, I think it's going to work itself out. I'm not too worried about it. But my primary purpose in things that I do, right? So 
my primary purpose with podcast recovery is I try to remain impartial. It doesn't always happen, mm-hmm. but that's my primary purpose. Like I don't want to choose, you know, I, I've openly said I, I come from a narcotics anonymous background, but you know, at this moment in time, I'm reading the big book. Um, and I just went through smart recovery. So I, it all depends. Like I don't want to cloud what I'm doing with other shit. So I want to be clear. Yeah. I want to be concise and I don't want, you know, if, if we need to bring it in later after the work's done, that's great. After we do whatever we're supposed to do, but when we're doing something like, let's not cloud it. Um, and let me like, let, let my feelings and like other stuff. So if there's two people who aren't getting along in the workplace and I have to be kind of a moderator for that, my feelings can't, you know, get involved right? Like I have to moderate this situation right. and try to make sure that, you know, and I, of course, I mean, I, I have a, a, a feeling of like, you know, this person's right and this person's wrong, but I can't say that. I have to make sure that, you know, it's like, well, I respect your opinion and blah, blah, blah. You know, you gotta, you gotta walk like that line where it's like, I'm trying to. You're just staying Switzerland. Um, mm-hmm. kind of. But, you know, you, you have to make sure you have to make sure things do get done. So if things have to move, you make sure they move. But you do it in a, in a polite and ethical way. You ever had a Swiss watch? Those motherfuckers work. I, I, get, uh, I get what you're saying. I do you ever not. Had Swiss chocolate? It's fantastic. I do not like watches. Neither do I. I was totally bluffing. I've never Swiss had a Swiss army one. knife. Those I know, things are badass. Yes, I have had a Swiss army knife, and I know those things get shit done like nobody's business. <laughs> Swiss bankers, amazing. Swiss chocolatiers, <laughs> fantastic. You ask them about their politics? Nope. Have some chocolate. Thanks, buddy. Keeping it real. You Thank guys you are great. I'm so excited that you guys have me on again. I really enjoyed being <laughs> here. Of course. Dude, we love having you on. You're fantastic, so, Jackie. So, Jaxie, where uh-huh. where You're can so where can uh-huh. our where can our listeners find you? Oh, okay. So they can find me uh, most actively on YouTube at, and my my username is according to Jaxie. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. But I upload a couple videos a week uh, with my experience in in recovery, and I also do a live trivia game every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because look, whether you're in recovery or not, sometimes you just need a break and to have some fun. So, yeah, come yeah. come on, uh, check me out. I respond to every message, every comment, every every everything. I always respond. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, it looks like we're about out of time, everybody, but we would always love to thank our lovely guest, Jackie, for joining us. Thank you guys so, so much. Absolutely. (laughs) Here at Podcast Recovery, we're aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and podcast recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us once again. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel. Like, share, subscribe. Go out uh, if you feel inclined. Check out our Patreon and throw us a few shekels so we can continue doing what we're doing. 
uh, more information about us, podcastrecovery.com. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe, stay clean.